let me tell you what a leader does. A leader is a guy, like the book just said, who steps up and takes the onus. Mike Zimmer walked up, said, hey. And while Parcells is yelling, he says, no, 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 that's on me. Mm. That's on me. I didn't tell these guys exactly how we talk, you know, imp- wanted to implement this system, so that's on me. Now, I've been around coaches before in the past, would freaking never do that, mm. would never stand on it. They would sit there and watch the head coach yell at us and then maybe later on say, hey, guys, I should have t- told you this. I said, that's – you want to talk about respect. When you start to respect someone is when they, they fall on that landmine for you. your neck old man shit hurts right now <laughs> you know it's better man actually I, I, i'm getting some work in it's just if i'm sitting for a long period of time it starts to ache a little bit yeah, yeah. you start following knees over toes guy has it helped your I neck have. at all i know uh, he, he doesn't just limit it to the knees no we've been i've been doing some shoulder exercises that uh, you know what's so crazy about it? i'm gonna give him some love here Uh-oh. a lot of those are the same exercises that you showed me how to do a long time ago i just didn't follow the routine i, I want you oh, to read credibility that. issue yeah, yeah it could have been the issue. i want yeah. you to repeat that for issue. all the listeners out there you you followed my advice and your neck's starting to feel better is that what I heard? Anyway, but Ty, what's going? How are you, Ty? How are you doing today? I'm good, brother. I'm good. That's uh, at Ben Gibbs, ten twenty seven. If you uh, need any, I'm trying to insert himself into our conversation. I know. I mean, uh, it's just never. It's never ending story. Never ending story. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of stories, so you guys may hear this unfamiliar voice on a roundtable. You may you may have clicked the roundtable. I was just going to skate by it and not not bring it up. No, but hoping, you just called it right out. No, hoping <laughs> hoping to hear the two just eloquent and smooth and sexy voices of Ben and yours truly. And you were kind of just shaken by this other voice that just came up, but that's Darren. If you guys don't know who Darren is. like Barry White a little bit, little (laughs) Teddy Pendergrass. Do you know who Teddy Pendergrass is? No, I don't. Oh my God. I don't. Okay. Anywho. I do want to play play this game. You know who Willie Nelson is? And I'd be like, no, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. You said Teddy Pendergrass? Oh, yeah, I know Teddy. You don't know Teddy, though. <laughs> oh, Teddo. You know yeah. Teddy. Okay, Teddy. Teddy P. Oh, you're talking about Freight Train Tuck. How about Luther oh. Vandross? <laughs> yeah, I know Luth. <laughs> Luther Vandross. Luther Vandross. Luther Vandross. Luther Vandross. Luther Vandross. The name, I've heard the name, but couldn't, couldn't tell wow. you anything about it. Hey, that's, that. I mean, Luther Vandross is some baby-making music from. Oh, dog. Like, pre-Barry White. Yes. Mm. Yeah. It's yeah. good. Yeah. It's good. All right. Anyways. Yeah, go ahead talking about leadership today guys yeah we are talking about leadership <laughs> yeah yeah not to derail the luther yeah. vandross or so lesson number one is put down your friends as much <laughs> as you as possibly possible. can name old people that they have no clue who you're talking about uh no but we just concluded a study on the book atomic habits which based on the feedback was a great discussion and, and i know tyler and i learned quite a bit yes uh and we thought it would be fun and a good idea to go through another book uh, especially with what's going on in the world today. This book is called Extreme Ownership, and it's written by a Navy SEAL, Jocko Willink. I'm sure most people listening to this have heard the name yeah. Jocko at some point. He's massive on social media, and, and before social media, though, he was a Navy SEAL commander for yeah. a long time. Uh, a couple of different deployments, and he and a partner of his, Leif Babin, another Navy SEAL, yeah. 
wrote the book Extreme Ownership. I believe this book came out back in 2018 originally. But with the way, like I said, the way things are going in the world today, with our lack of leadership, not only, you know, government leadership, community leadership, but in our homes, yeah. even. Mm-hmm. And so if you're sitting here thinking, well, I'm not a, because leadership you think of, or at least I think of business, right? I think of managers, bosses, like team, CEOs. Team oriented. Yeah, like, team oriented. Yeah. Athletics, right. business organizations. Yeah. But, but really leadership you know, expands to all facets mm-hmm. of life. Darren, you've got four kids. Yeah. You're a leader of those four kids. Yeah. You're also a leader of two companies. Mm-hmm. You were the leader of the Cowboys for 13 years. So you have a wealth of knowledge when it comes to leadership. <laughs> Tyler, same thing. You were in an NFL locker room for seven years. Now you're a leader of your family, four kids. Me, the same thing as well. I, I have a year and a half of management experience which was the worst year and a half of my life he's probably. saying you love <laughs> is, hey, is he talking about management on the one shot podcast no is that what he's saying no. that's what he's talking that's about his experience. he's managing no. this one this is two yeah. actually well there you he's go equinox true. time and then that's true. now no, I, I was go. referring to my time as a, as a personal training manager and it got it i'm not joking when I, it was the most stressful year and a mm-hmm. half managing and leading people is the hardest thing on this planet. And I remember you going through that, man. It was hard. It was. because It, it, it was all trial by fire. Yeah. There was no, you know, there was no laid out plan for me. Yeah. It was just figured out. Hey, you got 25 personalities. Go. Yeah. Go get it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, luckily, I did have a boss of my own who was a great leader, and, and there mm. were things that he imparted on me. Uh, but I wasn't ready for it the first time around. And there was a lot of things that I'm glad I went through not knowing because mm-hmm. I figured it out and I learned on the job. Um, but it's also good to hear from people and, and from others' experiences as well so that you can apply uh, these things. And, and like I said, with, with things going on the way they are right now, we're all leaders in a certain, you know, some way, form, shape, or another. Whether that's, and even if that's just leading yourself, right? Yeah. You have an impact on somebody, even if it's just you. Yeah. And so I think this book is a good reminder of that, of the role that we all have as leaders. And there's... Nine different principles. We're going to do this in two parts, uh-huh. this series. Before you get in, before you get into that, though, I, mm-hmm. I think you just bring up a, a really good point that, that I want to reemphasize that you didn't directly say is you had no idea what you were doing when you were thrust into a leadership position. Right. Uh, we've, we have a handful of really, really good guests coming out, uh, episodes coming up here pretty soon, that talk a lot about that, how they had to figure out what it looked like being a leader in an organization because it's the whole fake it till you make it mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, one in mm-hmm. specific is going to talk about how he took a company from a million in revenue to 300 million in revenue. And he said, I had no idea mm-hmm. what I was doing. <laughs> None. And, and so, but to your point, what we're going to talk about, some of the things that, um, that Leif and Jocko talk about in this book is the importance of experience. Mm-hmm. the importance of getting uncomfortable and stepping into leadership roles, even though you don't think that you're ready, because very rarely is anyone ever ready to really take on a leadership role without, you know, for the first time. Yeah, right. oh, exactly. And, so and a lot of these things, again, it's great to read in a book, but you do have to apply them mm-hmm. and, and trial by fire in some ways. So uh, again, going to go through this book. The way it's set up is he has, like I said, I picked out nine principles. There's a few more in the book than that. Um, but the way it's set up is he gives a story from his, one of his deployments over in Iraq, gives a story, 
gives a leadership principle, and then he gives how you can apply it to business. Mm-hmm. So again, don't necessarily narrow-mindedly look at this and think this is only business. I'm not a business leader. This doesn't apply to me. This applies to all of us. Mm-hmm. So I think, right. I think we're all going to get something out of this, out of these nine principles. Before we jump into it, though, we did want to thank our sponsors. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Choctaw Casino and Resort and Sleep Number. We'll start with Sleep Number. Uh, actually had somebody, a coworker, this morning come oh. up and ask and said, hey, I'm thinking about getting one of those Sleep Number beds. What do, what do you think of them? And I was so happy and proud to be able to give her an honest review, mm-hmm. not because we're being paid, not because they're a partner. I gave her the honest review that it literally is the best bed that I've ever experienced yeah. in my life. And my wife says the same thing. She has no dog in the fight. She absolutely loves that bed mm-hmm. uh, with the technology and the, the, the data that they give, yeah. and the feedback that they give. It truly yeah. is a, a life-changing experience. That's not an overstatement. Yeah, and I think the the foundation of of the company starting from the CEO down you know you could tell she's instilled that um the mindset is that listen we're more than just a, a company that makes beds right is we want we really truly want to help the population recover and um tee them up to do everything that they're capable of doing and these aches and pains and lack of uh, sleep. I mean, we're in such a fast paced world. We overlook how important recovery is. I mean, that's their mission is it's all about recovery Mm -hmm. and it's, it's from top down. And so you can tell they're more than just a bed company. I mean, it's a technology company. It's a performance company. I mean, it's, it's so many things and you can tell when you wake up the next morning after sleeping on a sleep number bed. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so get yourself to sleepnumber.com or a local store near you. They're all over the country, so get yourself to Sleep Number. And then secondly, and Darren, this is a company that you've been associated with a long time, Choctaw mm-hmm. Casino and Resort. We talked about this before. We had an awesome experience yeah. a few weeks ago watching the Dallas Cowboys well, game. Lose. The game, so, so, yeah. Yeah, the game wasn't awesome. a good yeah. result, but the experience, the, atmosphere, the league, the yeah. atmosphere was like nothing else. Yeah, and if you haven't been up to the Choctaw Casino Resort, there's a little sports bar called The League there. It, it is phenomenal. It's one of the best I've ever been around, been ever, one I've ever seen. Uh, multiple screens all, all around, great bar, uh, great seat, seating areas. It's right there by next to the casino. You can walk right out and uh, get on some of the – uh, the machines out there, uh, slot machines, but it was just a great atmosphere to, uh, to to be in. But you know, we're not we haven't even talked about the steakhouse, the steakhouse out there, out there, the the the, the outdoor living, the, the the swimming pool. There's so much that's out there. Did you notice that's, there and there was a kids arcade there? Did you see? That? I saw that. I <laughs> well, saw that. I know you yeah. did because yeah. I think you, you were, were in the there. Bathroom. About, yeah, you went to the bathroom every six minutes. So. <laughs> yeah, you know why? So literally, you can actually, take your. It wasn't the restroom. You can take your children there. Babysitting. <laughs> you can literally take your kids there, and they'll have a you great can. time. Yeah. It's yeah. fun for the whole family. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that's Chalk Talk Casino yeah. Resort. Like Tyler always says, it's just a short drive up I seventy five. Uh, we're we're gonna see if we can get that. that You're so Texas. That I seventy five. Short I drive up to 75. Uh, whatever it is. I-75. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had this debate on California, that tag how Californians say highways versus Texans. Yeah, I-35. Y'all say freeway, I- though, so don't, don't talk to me about I-75. Could you say freeway? Nobody hey, says can freeway. we thank our sponsors? Let's yeah. get past Choctaw. <laughs> thank, thank, you. thank you for just being a short anyway, drive up to anyway. 75. That's Choctaw Casino Resort. Get yourself up there. It's fun for the whole family. All right, on to the episode. Like I said, we've got nine principles we're going to go through. We're going to cover the first five in this episode. We'll cover the last four in the next episode. But principle number one from the book Extreme Ownership. Number one. Number one. 
Leaders own everything in their world. And from the book it says, on any team in any organization, all responsibility for success and failure rests with the leader. The leader must own everything in his or her world. There is no one else to blame. The leader must acknowledge mistakes and admit failures, take ownership of them, and develop a plan to win. The best leaders don't just take responsibility for their job. They take extreme ownership of everything that impacts their mission. When subordinates aren't doing what they should, leaders that exercise extreme ownership cannot blame the subordinates. If an individual on the team is not performing at the level required for the team to succeed, the leader must train and mentor that underperformer. Total responsibility for failure is a difficult thing to accept, and taking ownership when things go wrong requires extraordinary humility and courage. But doing just that is, the abs- is an absolute necessity to learning, growing as a leader, and improving a team's performance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that, Darren? Yeah, I think that's awesome. And it, re- and it reminds me of a certain situation I had with uh, one of our coaches. His name's Mike Zimmer. Um, just, uh, you know, coached the Minnesota Vikings. Head coach just got fired not too just recently. Oh, but did he get fired? Yeah. He's, he's on his way did. back to yeah. Dallas, by the way. He'll be back. He'll figure it out. But anyway, um, Bill Parcells comes in on the team, to the team, and we had a certain situation where we made a, a mental mistake. We're at practice, and we made a mental mistake as a secondary. And evidently the coaches had this conversation early on. Zimmer was supposed to tell us how we were going to run the coverage a little differently. He totally lapsed, didn't tell us, you know, exactly all the ins and outs of the coverage. We busted the coverage during practice, and then Parcells went freaking ham. He just went in on the entire secondary. And let me tell you what a leader does. A leader is a guy, like the book just said, who steps up and takes the onus. Mike Zimmer walked up, said, hey. And while Parcells is yelling, he says, no, 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 that's on me. Mm. That's on me. I didn't tell these guys exactly how we talk, you know, imp- wanted to implement this system, so that's on me. Now, I've been around coaches before in the past, would freaking never do that, mm-hmm. would never stand on it. Mm-hmm. They would sit there and watch the head coach yell at us and then maybe later on say, hey, guys, I should have t- told you this. I said, that's, you want to talk about respect. When you start to respect someone, is when they they fall on that landmine for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what did that do for you guys as you're sitting we, there getting yelled at, and then Coach Zimmer steps in? It just, what did that do for you and your teammates? It just it shows you you know who that who Zimmer was first that he was willing to jump on that for us, and then secondly, it's you know you're gonna follow a guy like that. Mm. You're gonna follow a guy because he he's admitting that he was wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, he should have passed down. He's admitting that. And it's the same thing when we raise our kids. Is it any differently? If you didn't, if you're not educating your kids, if you don't do the, you know, or remind them of something and, 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 and then, you know, something happens in a situation. And if you take the blame, if you say, hey, that's on me. Yeah, you didn't know what was going on because I didn't educate you on that. Once you do those things, your kids start to see that they'll say, OK, I, you know, I get it. Yeah. Like, yeah, dad's there. What's, yeah. He's ride or die. For what's me. a what's a true testament? And I know, I mean, that's awesome, right? Mm-hmm. And as a leader, to set that example. But what's what's impressive to me, and what the people that stand out are the people that, by admitting it, mm-hmm. have something that could lose something, right? Zim yeah. probably wasn't going to get fired, right? Like he owned it. He probably wasn't. I and mean, I'm not downplaying that scenario, right. but 
if a guy is in a position that his screw up could cost him either a job or something serious and he still admits it, that's a guy, man, that I'd go into mm-hmm. battle with. Right. And there's been multiple guys, multiple guys. Like, and you see it a lot in training camp where everyone's fighting for their job, right? right. Everybody's, everybody's puckered up. Mm-hmm. Everybody's nervous. Not everybody, most guys. Mm-hmm. And, and the guys that are willing to, and, and one of the guys uh, that, that I remember was Jamil Showers. Yeah. And he's a, he's younger. I was a vet. He was a rookie and he, he made, he made some mistake and uh, our offensive coordinator, Scott Linehan was ripping into the receiver. Mm-hmm. And this was in front of the whole offense, ripping into him. And it's a younger, younger group of guys. And uh, was like ripping into him for something. Didn't run the route right or something like that. And showers. Cause I've been in quarterback rooms. Mm-hmm. I've been in, Quarterback rooms in Chicago mm-hmm. where the quarterback will just let guys get thrown under the bus oh, and it course. was his yeah. mistake, mm-hmm. right? Um, but, I mean, I remember Jamil saying something and he's like, no, Coach, hey, listen, I I told him to do something different. He did exactly what I asked him to do. Right. And and then he got ripped. But it was like he didn't have to do that. He could have literally even – he could have quietly at the end of it been like, hey, dog, bad right yeah that's what he stood up on it because there's players do that all the time oh that's that's me that's me but man what i love is 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 the men and women that step up and and wear it wear the mistake take ownership of it even when there's a lot to lose Mm -hmm. right yeah and And you know when you say a lot to lose a lot of times people don't you're so prideful you don't want to be wrong You don't want to be wrong. You don't want to be like a coach or a player. You don't want to be in a situation where, you know, I was wrong and your pride steps in the way yep. and you're like, oh, you try to deflect, deflect. That's to me is you're, yep. you're right, Ty. It's like when you when you put yourself on the line, you show your vulnerable side, that's yeah. when people will see it. They'll follow. Yeah, the, the pride thing is going to come, come up here later. Um, but two of my least favorite phrases, they're, they're pretty much one and the same, is that's, it's not my fault. Mm-hmm. It's so and so's fault. Yep. Or that's not my job. Oh, I'm with you, dude. I couldn't. Boy, agree. how many times oh. have you oh. heard that? Whether on the field, at a, some business organization, uh. in your family, maybe. Oh, oh, my man. kids. That's, that's not my job. That's one of so. Our my two bigs. One does the trash cans. They take the trashes mm-hmm. out and they take them up. And the other does the dishwasher. And and anytime I ask the other one, like say the other one's gone, mm-hmm. and I ask him to do it, that's her job. That's his job. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, yeah. nothing gets my blood yeah. boiling. And I'm not going to share how I discipline them because I'd probably get a ret. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. But, but I, I couldn't agree with yeah. you more. Well, that's a lesson that my sons are going through. And I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And the two-year-old doesn't understand. Obviously. He gets yeah. something out, toys out. Yeah. He doesn't know to put them back. Yeah. Yeah. And so the hard lesson for my five-year-old right now is going through, hey, I didn't make the mess either as the yeah. father, yeah. but I'm still going to pick it up. Yeah. Right. You can help as well, right? Yeah. Trash on the floor. That's not my trash. That's yeah. the lesson we're going through right now. Oh, yeah. Teaching oh. him, hey, just because it's not your trash, just because you didn't get the toys out, doesn't mean you don't contribute. Yeah. We all contribute. We're a team <laughs> here. We're a family. I like we're the way you say that. No, I think that's so, so good. I mean, yeah, that's so good. You are so wholesome the way you said it. We all contribute. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I get trivial with my kids sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, what do you want me to just oh like dog cuss them? Dog. I'm like, I'll give a damn whose it is. No, I start taking away like life necessities start, that I provide my kids. I'm like, some ass. I didn't make that mess. 
They'll be like, I, I didn't make that mess. It was yeah. it was it was Sia yeah, or it was that. it was Rocco. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, hey, you didn't go to go to work and uh, pay for this house, so you're sleeping outside tonight. Yeah. Like, and I'll you, literally we can go on all day. Of, oh, yeah. oh gosh, that's not yeah. your job. Oh, well, oh, that's not my job either. Yeah. And, and that just I can just for the, as long as I can remember. And I and obviously there was a time I went through where I wasn't. Yeah. I didn't yeah. Have this mentality. Yeah. But for mm -hmm. as long as I can remember, probably since college, that's always just gotten under my skin. When yeah. somebody tries to pass the blame, mm -hmm. when they say it's not their fault, when they say that's not their role, yeah, so they don't man. have to do that. Dude, I it's see. Kinda it. like, it's kind of like our paper towel deal. Yeah, it, it kind of right? is. is. But yeah. it's yeah. not my job to pick up those paper it's towels. It's not, man. And yeah. that's what you know. What look, Ben, I, I admire that about you, and I admire that about both of you guys. Because even at our in our office, I mean, I've seen both of you. Honestly, I probably didn't know I saw both of you, but I've seen you guys. Something's on the floor. You're picking it up. Uh, someone spills something that they didn't even know they spilled some coffee. I've seen Ty come up behind mm -hmm. and wipe up things. Like you, you take ownership in your in your own office, yep. and that's and that says something about our kids the same way. Like it's your house. Mm -hmm. This is your house, not yeah. just mine. This is your house. Own it. Yep. Yeah. Your health is not where you want it to be. Yeah. Take ownership of that. It's nobody else's fault, but you're, you control what goes in your mouth. You control what motions and movements your body does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? So yeah. it's, it's, any, it's not just football. It's not just business. It's, it's everywhere. Th yeah. this, this principle. If we just imagine, I'll, I'll put it to you this way and then we'll move on. When's the last time a leader of our country, and you can go back as long as, go back as, long as you want, Darren. Mm -hmm. You've been around longer than us. Mm -hmm. When's the last time a leader of our country or of our city, or of our state, okay. stood up on the microphone and said, hey guys, this is one's on me. This is my fault. This is, how, this is what we're going to do to fix yeah, it. I can't, hey. I, cannot, I cannot think of one no. single example of you anybody watched, doing You watched that. Lincoln mm -hmm. say that he should have started. <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> yeah, Abe was pretty. Uh, Abe he, was pretty Abe good. Honest Abe, extreme honest Abe did that, did he? <laughs> no, hell no. Honest Abe's trying right. to get too much credit. Yeah. And, and again, that's not just, yeah, that's not just this, this, yeah. this uh, what do they call it? This uh, regime? What do, you, what do you call it? Yeah, I mean, that could, I could apply. That sounds like a, that sounds like a dictatorship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey. That's not just this group. Is this, this administration? This, this administration? There you go. Thank you. Go? How about <laughs> that one? <you>. This regime? <laughs> China, 2022. No, that, that's not uh, just this. So true, though. This, so true. That, no. that's think about, I mean, think about how much, how much peace could be brought to, to our country right now if, I mean, Someone from the CDC, someone from, I mean, the president himself, someone local. I, I, I would say, I would say, I think we see it maybe a little bit more in the state and we're really lucky to be in Texas. And I mm -hmm. feel like governor Abbott does a pretty good job about being honest and like he'll say things, but I mean, imagine how much like peace that would be brought to just the dispute and the division. If like, Hey guys, we, we didn't know what we were doing yeah. on COVID. And we don't have all the answers, mm -hmm. but we're working our ass off trying to find those answers for you. Like, here is what we know now, and this is the best that we can do. Our our guidance is this, and we're gonna we're gonna work our asses off to get you more concrete scientific information. But right now, this is all we know because we've had a very limited time. Yeah, the people look crazy. It's crazy. It's, but, instead but, of, but let's be honest with it. Let's be honest with it. People aren't losing their job. People are not trying no, to lose their that's job. It. That's it. Because the armchair quarterbacks uh, call for your, your head. Absolutely. You said for your head. Yes, right. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I, I certainly don't have all the answers. None of us do. But it, you're right. 
You're right, Tyler. It would have been nice yes. if from the get go mm-hmm. they would have said, "Hey, guys, this is this is something new. Nobody knows how to deal with this. Yeah. These are the steps we're going to take yeah. until we know more. Mm-hmm. This is what we know now. This is how we're yeah. going to control it." Yeah. Yeah. If they just come out and say that instead of leading this wild goose chase for the last three yeah. years, right? I just yeah yeah. Anyways. So and we could go on for yeah. hours about that, but leadership principle number one is leaders own everything in the world. Principle number two, leaders set the standard. Again, from the book, it says, when leaders who epitomize extreme ownership drive their teams to achieve a higher standard of performance, they must recognize that when it comes to standards, as a leader, it's not what you preach, it's what you tolerate. Mm -hmm. When setting expectations, no matter what has been said or written, if substandard performance is accepted and no one is held accountable, if there are no consequences, that poor performance becomes the new standard. Therefore, leaders must enforce standards. Leaders should never be satisfied. They must always strive to improve, and they must build that mindset into the team. The best teams anywhere are constantly looking to improve, add capability, and push the standards higher. It starts with the individual and spreads to each of the team members until this becomes the culture, the new standard. Mm. I mean, again, the best leaders that you've been around, Darren, Ben, are are the ones that lived it mm-hmm. and lived it in a way that they didn't even have to come down, scream, shout, right? Discipline. Mm-hmm. The standard was set. Someone that established what the standard is. And and I think it it correlates even to own everything in their own world is when you own everything and you take responsi- responsibility, that is setting the standard. Yeah. Is everything that I can control. Everything that is in my my control at all, mm-hmm. I do to the best of my ability. That is the standard for everyone to follow. And listen, don't you can't settle. And I had this conversation with my daughter last night coming back from basketball practice. She got into it with one of the girls, one of her one of her good little friends, and the girl got mad because my daughter was playing hard and got like physical while playing defense. Mm-hmm. And she turned around and like pushed her and I was just and she she was telling her, like, don't go so hard. And I said, Hey, listen, like you cannot mm-hmm. accept not going hard. You can't take it easy because someone on your team tells you to take it easy. Right. My very first day, and this is a two, two-part story. Uh, my very first day in an NFL locker room, and I may have told the story on here. I'm sitting. I got Joe Thomas sitting to my left. Um, and I, I think his name's Matt Roth. Matt Roth. Anyways, he's a linebacker for the Browns. And he comes up to me and he goes, hey, Snowflake, because I had, like, blonde hair. Yeah, he called me Snowflake. Yeah. yeah. It was a little frost. It might have been frosted a little bit. You had your choker <laughs> necklace on? tips. <laughs> you had your choker necklace? I had my choker puka chain. RVCA yes, skin tight shirt. I had my shirt and I had did a little frosted tips. Did you have your on that day or did you uh, it home? No, 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 no. No Jinkos at that point. It was Abercrombie at that point. What about your DC's shoes? Did you have those two? Oh, for sure DC's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Heck yeah. The Dude, big, I just the big stereotyped tones. you. Oh, my God. Maximum. So he walks up and goes, hey, Snowflake. And that, granted, it's 10 degrees outside, you know, six inches of snow on the ground. He's like, hey, Snowflake, take it easy today. It's like, I'm not trying to go hard. And I'm thinking, I'm like, this is my first day in the NFL locker room. Mm. This guy who's a team captain on defense, uh, been in the league for 10 years, mm. comes over and tells me to take it easy. And, I had never even I, practiced with you. And said, I'm not trying to go I'm hard. I'm not trying to go hard Jeez. today. And Joe Thomas, I don't know the guy. He goes, hey, I'm Joe. Um, first, first team? I was like, yeah, it's my first day in NFL locker room. He's like, here's the thing, man. Don't ever listen to those guys. When you get cut, uh-huh. they're not going to pay. That's they're right. not going to put food on your That's family's right. table. 
And I, and I, and I shared that with my daughter last night after that, I said, listen, you have to set the standard for your team. You have to go hard every single play. You have to, you have to go out there with the intent that if I'm not pushing myself beyond where I feel good going, Mm -hmm. then you're not getting any better that day. Mm -hmm. And you need to show the team that that's the standard. That's what you're supposed to be doing. And she says, well, I don't want to give." I was like, listen, it's not about friends out there. That's the great thing about sports is you don't have to be best friends on the court. You have to make your teammates better. It's about the yeah. team yeah. and it's about <clears throat> your environment that you're controlling. Yeah. yeah. The great thing about setting standards is it doesn't require a lot of talk. No, it does. It can require hundred percent action. Yeah. So if you are uncomfortable setting a standard from a vocal perspective, just yeah, let your just actions it. do it. Yeah. What are you doing? What kind of effort are you putting in? Yeah. Yeah, first first form is a great example. We were up at first form uh, earlier this year or earlier last year, and the standard there is everything is spotless and clean. Right, every single person from the CEO down to the lowest level knows the standard. There's no words spoken, but you walk into that bathroom and you immediately nobody has to tell you the standard is this bathroom you could eat off the floor. Yeah, that's the standard they said. I, I think when when I read when you're reading that, the one thing I started to think about is is when you start about standards as a leader, like you can't. First of all, you're you're not always going to make the most popular decision, and people aren't going to always just follow suit and go, "Oh my God, that was a great decision that you just made." You got to understand that people are not going to like the decisions that you make, mm-hmm. but you're going to have to make informed decisions that's best for the group that you feel is, are best for the group. And you're going to get some flack. And if you are timid in any way or if you get pushed back, then they're going to question your leadership. Standard is set by you. Like if if it's if you're the leader, your ass is going to get dirty. You're going to have to get involved in whatever. People are going to have to see you get dirty and witness the fact that, yeah, you're out there leading the way and you're getting, you know, you're in the mud with them. But if you're a guy, if you're a person that comes in and you're, you know, setting, trying to set standards and people are pushing your standards back and pushing you back and they're not, they're going to start disrespecting you mm-hmm. because you're not going to dig yourself in to what you feel, what you feel is right. Yeah. yeah. Standards in my, in my, my opinion are, are like discipline. They have to be established with time. Like you can't just impose a standard like day. I mean, you can say it, you can speak it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't become a standard until it's enforced over time, over and over right. and over. Because, I mean, I agree. you know, Andy and, and Sal and Chris at First Form, they could be like, hey, guys, uh, if those weights aren't racked in the weight room perfectly every day, um, you get one warning, you're out. I mean, you can't work out anymore. If they didn't enforce it and if they didn't do it themselves over and over and over and over, nobody's going to take it serious. Yeah. I mean, it's the same with parenting. Yeah. If you... If you are the parent that counts to three constantly, yeah. over here, I'm going to count to three. One, two. Yeah. No, the standard is you get where I tell you when I before I get to one. Yeah. You get one warning. If I'm counting to three, what are they going to do? They're going to wait. wait. The standard has been set that mm-hmm. I'm not going to yeah. do anything until I get to three. Yeah, yeah, the quote is, if it's not what you preach, it's it's not what you preach. It's what you tolerate. Yeah. yeah. So that's, and that's, that's a great example, it, man. Yeah. Right? That's why you see the great coaches. And I'm telling you, this is a, this is one of the best topics in that book is, is setting the standard because there's a lot of times where you put up even in the workplace and even on the, in, in the sports world, you put up with certain people for, for a considerable amount of time because they're so talented. And at some point, and that's why you see the Bill Belichick's of the world, they're going to cut your ass. Mm-hmm. 
if you, even if you're the star player, if they can't get across the here's the standard and you keep on jumping that line and everybody keeps on watching, watching you jump that line, you have to cut somebody. And it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. You're going to be in uncomfortable situations. You're going to be in some waters where you don't want to be in as a leader, but you're going to have to make the decision for the better, better of the team. There has to be a stat out there yes. that Bill Belichick has cut more Hall of Famers, Absolutely. more future Hall of Famers yeah. than any other coach in history. I mean, he has to. Yeah. I mean, think about all, and now granted he gets him to the end of the career, but like think about how many guys have gone through that organization and didn't last, mm-hmm. whether it's T.O., whether it's, I mean, Randy Moss. I mean, right. he cut Randy Moss. Right. I mean, who? Exactly. Arguably the greatest receiver, top three of all time. Showing up late a yeah. few times. Hey, he had to get a ruckus in, yeah. in fast food restaurants. Right. I mean, whatever it is. If, if you don't meet the standard, you won't belong. Yeah. Right. yeah. I think we've all been a part of teams where you've seen the talented guy that doesn't mm. work quite as hard, yeah. is late to meetings, and coaches tend to cut them slack. Because the coach's job really at the end of the day is to win. Right. And at times they sacrifice the standard because they want to win. That's right. And I get it. I get it. But mm-hmm. psychologically, in the back of other players' minds, everybody's watching. Respect. Everybody's right? watching you yep. when you're a Well, leader. and I think, and here's the other thing to, to, in this time right now, we're afraid to hold people to a standard, mm-hmm. not just because they're talented, but just because of the climate. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we can't hold people to standards. We're afraid. So we let, we let bad habits we, yeah. go through, or we let, yeah. uh, we let like, we let toxicity in organizations. We let that go because we're afraid. To, it's easier just to let that go than deal with whatever hell they raise on the other and side. And I think, I, I honestly, I feel like, uh, again, going back to being being a leader, it's uncomfortable, man. Yeah, it's you're never really comfortable in the skin. Like people say, you're born a leader. You're not born a leader. Mm. A lot of people aren't born in in, in in these situations. Sometimes you just just through experiences, you're thrust into a position where you have to through the fire be the be that person that's yep. to stand up. Yep. So in doing so, there's going to be really uncomfortable times where you have to say, "Hell no, this is what we're going to do." Period. Period. And then do it. And, and then do, do it. it. Don't yeah. just say and it. Act on do it. it. Yeah. And act on That's it. That's right. Yep. That's right. All right. Principle number three. Leaders believe in the mission. I'll be interested to hear what you guys, what y'all's take on this one is. In order to convince and inspire others to follow and accomplish a mission, a leader must be a true believer in the mission. Mm-hmm. Even when others doubt and question the amount of risk, asking, is it worth it? The leader must believe in the greater cause. If a leader does not believe... He or she will not take the risk required to overcome the inevitable challenges necessary to win. Leaders must always operate with the understanding that they are part of something greater than themselves and their own personal interests. Far more important than any training or equipment, a resolute belief in the mission is critical for any team or organization to win and achieve big results. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good, man. Um, you know, I'm thinking about when you were, we were talking about that, I was thinking about, you know, the times in the early 90s when Jimmy Johnson used to have us practice and we used to be in full pads all the time, all the time, never, never stop, right? <laughs> and, of course, in the locker room, we bitch and complain about everything. And where I got a cue on how leaders should act is, you know, our fullback was Daryl Johnson at the time. And it was like week eight. And again, you're hoping that you're going to take the, 
yeah. pads off. And you're give us, not gonna give us a Thursday and, off, coach. Like, right? Take the shells off. And I remember coming back uh, on the plane. We had just won a game, and someone mentioned to Daryl, who was one of the leaders on the offensive side, hey, maybe we should take some. You know, can someone go over to the coaches and tell us take the pads off this week? This and that. And he's like, no. Nah. Daryl's like, no. Nah. How many games we won straight? Um, seven or eight games straight. Yeah. He said, we're going to practice the way we always <laughs> fucking practice. <laughs> that's awesome. That is. Yeah. Wow. Dude, that's leader. That, yeah. That's a freaking that's leader. in the mission. That, I believe in the mission. Uh, the coaches, coaches have done, you know, have set the precedence. Here's the standard. We're going to follow that's, the standard. That's such a good example because, yeah. you know, in the back of his mind, he's thinking, man, I'd love to take it back. Hell yeah, he would. Of yes. all people. Of all, of all people, people yes. on the field who bang more than yes. anybody. Yeah. But he's no, the, the mission is, I believe in this mission so much, I'm going to trust what this leader has for yes. us. And that's the path they've laid out, and that's what we're going to do. That's yeah. awesome. That was a yeah. great example. Yeah. I just you can't it, top that, bro. Sorry. No, move on. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. I'll, no, I'll I just I, I had this I had this conversation with someone today. It was literally the first time I ever talked to this guy. And we talked for 25, 30 minutes. And it was just he's a leader in his organization. And and I was and I was just I had some questions about um, you know, how the pandemic has affected them mm-hmm. and working remote and what that's done to culture. Yeah, you, you know, typical real estate talk, right? I'm kind of leading into something. And, you know, one of the things that he said is that, you know, our leadership team and the our CEO, she has done such a good job inspiring our people. I'm not, we're not worried about them working from home. All right. We're not worried about mm. that because they believe in what we're doing. It's crazy. I didn't even correlate it at the time when he said it. He's like, they, I mean, they believe in what we're doing, and that translates when they're out selling or when yeah. they're out executing. Mm-hmm. This was like an engineering consulting firm type deal. And, and it's so true because – I think of, and, and if you read the book, he gives a lot of actual examples while he's on tour. He's actually in combat, on right. combat missions. But think about it. If you're, getting, if you're getting briefed by your superior officer, and there's a question on if he believes if you're hmm. doing the right thing or not, how confident are you going to be to go raid or go clear houses yeah, or right. go in and take out that, mm-hmm. um, you know, that target, whatever it may be? I mean... You've got some questions. Mm-hmm. And so as a leader, whether whether you're given the mission and then you're leading other people, mm-hmm. or if you are the one that creates the mission, you have to believe in it. You have to, yeah. You have to because yeah. people people can read people, guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody understands. Right. There's there's nonverbal communication, there's cues. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's emotional intelligence. You could just read people. People figure it out really quickly if you're being genuine or not. Mm -hmm. And if you don't believe in it, then take the time, figure out what it's going to take to get you to believe in the mission. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it says right here, if a leader does not believe, he or she will not take the risks required Mm -hmm. to overcome the inevitable challenges necessary to win. That's (laughs) so true. You can read right through somebody that doesn't believe what they're preaching. And being on that side of things, man, as a captain – the hardest guys, humble brag. Yeah, the hardest guys that that, that, that it sure. took to really follow, and follow what you know what you wanted to get accomplished, were the smart guys. Mm. So they They're fucking everything? skeptics. Oh, yeah. Always questioning about uh, everything. Question. They the question. Tyler of the teams. That's your saying? Yeah, there you go. The Tyler Clusters <laughs> of the team. I just asked a lot of questions. But they were the hardest ones to get to fall in line because they always questioned authority. 
They always question the actual plan. Mm-hmm. Will it work? Sometimes, I mean, I remember talking to Coach Alonzo Zimmer in a long, long time ago, telling him, man, I just wish I had a whole bunch of dumb some bitches that just fall in line. Because you know what you're going to get. Yeah. You know what you're going to get. They're going to fall in line, and they're going to do exactly what you want. But when you start getting those, those guys that are so damn smart – and they start yeah. trying to so figure what things is it out. With you then, Darren, because I mean, any coach that, that that you've played for has always said how smart of a player you were. Yeah, you know what? I, I don't know where that comes from. Uh, I wasn't. But <laughs> I've never what? heard that. <laughs> <laughs> but how, how smart you were out on the field. So so how did you balance, you know, the the football intelligence and and all that 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 you had with like, okay, and I'm that, all in. Man, that's a hard balance because there were coaches who instilled that belief in, you know, in us and in specifically me that I said, yeah. oh, man, I, I truly believe in what Mike Zimmer or Dave Campo have planned, the game yeah. plan. I truly believe it. But then we started going on through the process, and I'll be honest with you. Yeah. We brought in coaches that I did not believe in, mm-hmm. didn't have our best interests at heart. Like mm-hmm. that's then now that's a part of it to where on the opposite side I just didn't fall in line yeah. with it, man. Yeah. Because I just didn't feel like the, the game plan was right. It, has, it had holes in it. Uh-huh. I was skeptical of certain things, but you're, you're right uh-huh. about that, man. So it, a lot has to do with and I, the plan itself. I think in in this believe in the mission. I really truly think that you can make up for competence mm-hmm. with conviction. Mm, true. Yeah. If you're convicted about something, mm-hmm. you may not be the most competent offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator. But think about it. There's some guys you look back at, like, that dude was dumb. He's yeah. not a smart dude. Right. But he would he believed in the things that he Absolutely. was teaching, and he knew that, like, okay, I don't need to know everything, but I know this, and I'm convicted about it. Mm-hmm. I can make up for it. Right. Same thing. Like, you, you, you think of, like, commanders in our military. Probably not all of them are – you know, scoring 14, 1500 on the SATs. Do people right. still take the SATs? I don't even know if they do that anymore. Uh, but they may not be the smartest people, mm-hmm. but they're they're convicted. They're yeah. convicted in what they are doing and what the mission is. And if you are convicted, you don't have to be the most competent. Right. I mean, I think about like in our business, there's some dumb, sorry guys, some dumb, dumb people out there that are like literally making massive real estate decisions mm-hmm. for for large companies. And I'm like, you are dumb as rocks. How are you doing this? But they are super convicted. They believe. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So leaders believe in the mission. Number four, leaders check their ego. This is what we were talking about a second ago. Yeah. Leaders check their ego. And from the book it says, ego clouds and disrupts everything. The planning process, the ability to take good advice, and the ability to accept constructive criticism. It can even stifle someone's sense of self, self-preservation. Often the most difficult ego to deal with is your own ego. Everyone has an ego. Ego drives the most successful people in life. Mm-hmm. They want to win and to be the best. That's good. But when ego clouds our judgment and prevents us from seeing the world as it is, then ego becomes destructive. When personal agendas become more important than the team and the overarching mission's success, performance suffers and failure ensues. Many of the disruptive issues that arise within any team can be attributed directly to a problem with ego. Implementing extreme ownership requires checking your ego and operating with a high degree of humility, admitting mistakes, taking ownership, and developing a plan to overcome challenges are integral 
to any successful team. Mm. I guess my question to you guys reading that is, where's the line? Because he says it here, ego is required. There's a certain amount of ego required to become yeah. successful, and yeah. we all have an ego. Yeah. So when does it become, in your experience, when does it become a problem versus something that got you there? Man. And that's probably not an easy answer. But that's, just, not, that's not an easy answer, well, man. I think it, it comes down to when, when you're checking your ego, it, it goes back to that first point and owning everything. And if, you, if, if your ego prevents you from admitting that you may not have the right answer mm-hmm. and looking at an alternate solution, that's when it causes a problem. And again, he gives life or death scenarios. Like if, if a commander of a mission just because he doesn't want to be wrong and he wants to tell everybody what to do and is unwilling to listen to maybe what some of his subordinate officers are saying, some intel that he's getting because he wants to create and devise the plan and get all the credit for it, and he's not willing to listen, yeah. then that's when it becomes a problem. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think ego from a motivation standpoint, like, hey, I'm aspirational, great. That's awesome. I love yeah. that. But But when your ego prevents you from listening to somebody that, maybe as a perceived lesser position or lesser status than you, man, that's a huge problem. Yeah. And I, I'm going through it right now with my software company is that I don't know all the answers. Mm. You know, I'm supposed to be the leader, but I have no idea. And my team, I just met with my, my team and, you know, like 10 girls, you know, within my team. And, and you know, they know 100 times more than I know about the system and they'll run circles around me. So the one thing I have had to do is swallow my pride, have some humility and listen, just freaking listen Mm. because they're, they're giving me, they're out in the field. They're dealing with this. They have all the experience in the world and I need to take the back seat and say, okay, you guys set the processes, you set the protocols. Uh, I'll try to, you know, come on on the back end and make sure that, you know, I can push these agendas uh, across the goal line. But, you know, I don't have the answers. And I think that's when some of these, you know, in, in, within this book, that's what Jocko's basically saying is that, you know, they're out in the field. They're seeing it and they're coming back and they're saying, hey, man, this is what's happening. And Jocko's had to take some of his pride out of him and said, OK, well, here's the game plan based on what you're seeing out there on the field. Yeah, it's hard to admit in that scenario that you don't have all the answers because yeah. you think it's a sign of weakness. Yeah. And you think, well, I don't know, and so they're going to see me as less, not as strong of a leader, and they're not going to respect me, mm-hmm. whereas the opposite's true. Yeah. Yeah. You, being a good leader in that scenario, gives them, empowers them to make decisions that are out there in the field. It'd be very easy for your pride to get in the way and for you to say, no, yeah. we're going to do it this way because I have all this experience. But the reality is you don't. And that's you know, a lot, of, a lot of times people need to see your vulnerabilities, like the, the vulnerable side of who you are as a leader. Like if you could come in with take the pride out of it and say, I just don't know. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's figure out this plan. But it's not going to be just me. Let's all get together and formulate this plan. A lot of people want to be involved in the plan as well. Yeah. And it depends on who you're who you're talking to. If you can get certain individuals involved in the plan and they feel like they're a part of it and you've empowered them then you'll start to see some of those, those seeds yeah. and you'll start to see them blossom a little bit. Yeah, maybe a sim- simpler example. I think of conversations with my wife or my kids. Mm-hmm. When I get angry or upset about something, the pride in me doesn't want to go apologize and admit I was wrong. The pride in me wants to, you know, just sweep it under the rug or forget about it. Yeah. Or, well, some of the hardest conversations I have, just because I have such, you know, my ego gets in the way, is going and admitting I was wrong to my wife mm-hmm. or to my two boys mm-hmm. 
And I think that's, I mean, that's something almost daily mm-hmm. you deal with, right? That the ego gets in the way and you don't want to admit when you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I think so even to, is even having the foresight of your ego and having saying, okay, I need to get somebody's perspective before I even make a decision. Right. You know, I need to ask for help. I may think I have the answer, but I need to, right. I need to cross check my answer mm-hmm. by asking somebody else their opinion. I mean, that too is, is being able to take in additional information, a different additional perspectives in order to come up with the best solution. Right. Yeah. 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 And you know, I, I would say this as well, man, is, is in the workplace. I won't say it so much on the football field or in my experience in the locker room, but in the workplace, sometimes it's, it's the fact of, you know, again, empowering people, but, but also just surrounding yourself with people who feel all the way together in on the game plan. Yeah. Just all the way in. And I know we just mentioned it, but, you know, as leaders that are in the workplace, man, you're not going to have all the answers all the time. You know, take your pride out of it and make sure that those that you that are supposedly that you're supposed to be leading have some say so on what's going on in the future. Yeah, that's right. I love that. All right. Principle number five. Last one we're going to cover today. Again, number one was leaders own everything in their world. Number two, leaders set the standard. Three, leaders believe in the mission. Four, leaders check their ego. And then number five, what we're going to wrap this episode up with is leaders keep it simple. Mm, simple stupid this is this is one of my favorite ones it, it's not a, it's more subtle than the other principles but this one's one of my favorite ones and what he says plans and orders must be communicated in a manner that is simple clear and concise everyone that is part of the mission must know and understand his or her role in the mission and what to do in the event of likely contingencies as a leader it doesn't matter how well you feel you have presented the information or communicated an order plan tactic or strategy if your team doesn't get it, you have not kept things simple and you have failed. You must brief, sorry, you must brief, man, I'm reading that horribly. You must brief to ensure the lowest common denominator on the team understands. Mm-hmm. I love that section because how many times in my position when I was in management would I explain something to a junior trainer? And think, man, I nailed that, right? I explained that so well. And they go off and do something completely different than what I asked. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there blaming them that they didn't do what I asked them to do. Mm -hmm. But the reality is I didn't simplify it enough. They didn't understand. They didn't understand the plan. Mm -hmm. And that's on me. That's not on them. That's right. That's on me that I didn't simplify it and explain it in a way that the, what does it say, the most common denominator understands. And how, how often, and this goes back to ego, I think, how often do we explain things to show them how much we know? Oh, yeah. 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 Just you talk know, around them, yep. I do that all the time. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you how much I know. And it may confuse the hell out of people because they're like, and, and if we're talking with clients, we'll use real estate jargon and we'll use this and that. And like, hold on, slow, what? Yeah. What does that mean? Mm. I have no idea. What, what is that? Yeah. You know, and and we can accomplish so much more and be so much more efficient. We just keep it very simple. Don't prove how much you know, but the point that needs to get across, you get it across very plainly. Yeah. In our world, it's called blocking and tackling. Man. Yeah. You do the simplest things and keep it, you know, simple, stupid, and mm-hmm. and do your job. Like, that's the thing. If you can get, a, get someone in, within the organization or within the team to understand their job fully, they'll play fast. 
that play extremely fast. It's when you start to complicate things and you start to, you know, confuse, you know, one or two people is when you're going to have breakdowns in the system. Yeah. Man. So, where does that complication come from? Do you think why why is it hard as a leader? Because sometimes to we, I think sometimes we don't want to as leaders we don't want to get dirty. We don't want to get huh. in the in in you know take the time to actually want to sit on our pedestal, which I've done before, sit on our pedestal and just say, hey, you're going to do this, 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 and that, and then not, have, not be willing to spend the actual time to show them mm -hmm. what you want to get accomplished. Well, not to call you out, but I'm calling you out. Earlier, you, you made a comment, and, and I'm with you. I'm totally with you, but it, it kind of ties into this. You said, I wish I had a team full of dumb Whatever you said. Yeah, sometimes you right? do, man. Yeah. That because that, that would be easier, right? I, That'd be I, much easier. And I know what you mean. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm just picking on that. Mm -hmm. As opposed to the much harder work is knowing each individual that you are leading, That's know right. each one of those guys, how they how you need to speak to them. What do they respond to? Yep. That's a much tougher and more complicated role mm -hmm. than simply just painting it with a broad brush. Yeah, Here's that, one explanation. So if you don't get it, then you don't get it. Screw yeah. you. And I think it's I think it's a little bit of both because you know, like Tyler said earlier, you got to be convicted, right? You want guys that are convicted that want to sure. play, right? You sure. want to simplify it for those guys as well. And, and what I'm trying to get across to you is, like individually, yeah, you're probably gonna have to spend some time with some guys to show them exactly what you want them to do. But once you got them on your page, I mean, you, I'm telling you, if you if you get individuals doing their job. I don't expect Tyler to do your job, and I don't expect you to do Tyler's job, but if I can get convince you, like, if you do this, we have a shot. Yeah. We have a, and if I can get you there, then that's when, that's when you start to get everyone going down the same road. Yeah, and I think another point there is explaining why it's important to that person. What's, what's in it for that person? Like, Darren, if you're trying to get me to do something, an easy way to convince me to do something is, is what's in it for me. Yeah. Because that's what I'm sitting in there the thinking, yeah. right? Yeah. If Darren, if yeah. you're telling me to do something, the only thing going back in my mind, okay, what's in it for me? Yeah. That's just how we are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you can explain that in a simple and concise way, hey, here's what I need you to do, and here's why it's going to benefit you, Yeah. think about that conversation as opposed to, hey, here's what I need you to do, and you just need to do it just because yeah. I told you to yeah. or just because that, that's how it needs to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you can explain in a simple way how it benefits somebody else, mm -hmm. that goes such a long way. Yeah, yeah. And it goes to Sharon Morrison. I mean, Sharon, someone we know. I, I remember her having a conversation with a young broker saying, you know, that if I don't get you to a half a million, then that's, that's on me. Yeah. Like, that was, to me, that was powerful when I heard that. If I don't get you there, if your goal is to make money, if I don't get you to that half a million, then that's on me. Yeah. I, I failed in my job. And that's, right. you know, look, you're, you're at least throwing it out there that, you know, this is part of me. I, I, like, I'm trying to get you there. I want to get you there. And if I can't get you there, then the blame is not on you. The blame is on me. Well, and that's, that a, that's a great leader because it would be very easy in that scenario. Well, they didn't make the money because they didn't put in the work. That's right. They didn't yeah. show up early. They didn't yeah. make the calls. They didn't do yeah. what it was necessary. That's, that's on them. Mm -hmm. No, a leader says, I didn't, there was something in that situation that I didn't do well enough, good enough job on. That's right. Mm -hmm. They didn't get to where they wanted to be because I failed, I failed them, them as yeah. a leader. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And that's hard. That ties into a lot of these principles. It's ego. That's, mm -hmm. you know, owning everything in your world. That, that ties a lot of it is, is taking that ownership of that situation. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's the first five principles. Um, well, next time we'll go through, like I said, the last four. Uh, and I, I don't know about you guys, but that was a, I, I love that discussion. Mm -hmm. Darren, again, I, we said this earlier. 
you know, you had a long NFL career. Now you're the leader of two different companies. You're a family man. There's a lot of things that there's a lot of scenarios you've been through yeah. through leadership. Yeah. And I appreciate your wisdom yeah. sharing that with us. Tyler, same thing with you. Um, cause this is just such a needed thing. Yeah. Not only do our leaders and our, our communities need to be better, you know, step up and do better. Our leaders in our homes need to do better. Yeah, and our we kids, all need to do better. Our kids need to see what a leader looks like mm-hmm. through action, what the example is, and not being told what to do. Yep. The, our kids are being told so many things. It's so hard for them to process. The best way to do it is just live it out. Like, apply. I mean, these principles can be applied to any area of yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah, find an opportunity this week. Try to apply these. Leaders own everything in their world. Leaders set the standard. Leaders believe in the mission. Leaders check their ego and leaders keep it simple. Try they to find ways. Added, they should have added one. Well, we're going to add four more. Yeah. Well, they should have added one at the what top is, of the what list. What should add? You got to like people. I don't think he goes over that. No. But you got to like people. Yeah. You got to like working with people. You got to yeah. like to encourage people. You got to like to want to be involved with people. When people are down, you got to be there for them. You, there's there's some a certain quality about a leader that's just as simple as it is. Just like people. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't like people, then there ain't no way your ass is going to lead. You just can't. Yeah. I should have done extreme ownership by Leif Babin, Jocko Willink, and Darren Woodson. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll leave it <laughs> you to could have added guys. that principle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, we'll be back next week with more. We appreciate you guys. Uh, if you want to support us, you can share these episodes. That's the best way you can support us. Yeah. Share it, text it to a friend, post it on your social media. Uh, Go and follow us on our social media. We're at one.shot.pod on Instagram. We're the One Shot Podcast on YouTube. And any review and rating you can leave us, five-star reviews and ratings, please, uh, on the podcast apps. All of that is helpful. All this helps grow the show. We want to reach as many people as we can. There's not a lot of people right now spreading good messages. Everybody's profiting off of fear or off of division. We need more voices that are bringing us together and more leaders stepping up. And that's what we hope to do here. So hope you guys have a great rest of the week uh, and a good weekend. And we will see you on Monday.